everyone. Thank you for joining us online here at Destiny. If you haven't had a chance to visit our campus, we would love for you to come out and join us for our 1030 service. But if you can't, you can always watch us online at destinyokc.com. And while you're there, you can watch any of our past messages, see any of our upcoming events, or read pastor's blogs. Also, don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms right here. And now, here's this week's message. Well, I want to just, uh, normally we're greeting each other and I'm saying something to our uh, online family. And uh, since we all kind of took a seat there, I just greet and welcome our online uh, family gathering with us today. And we are so glad you are with us. And uh, in a moment like this, I like to take the opportunity for those of us who are here to celebrate those that you don't necessarily see but are joining with us online. So can we just say welcome to our Destiny Online family. We love you all. Destiny Table, New York, Washington, D.C., various places, Louisiana that are joining us today. Uh, I will encourage you, those of you online, we are going to receive communion all together at the conclusion of our time in the Word, so you might want to go ahead and get those elements together and join us for that. Um, If you would, take your Bibles out. It's good to bring our old-fashioned Bibles into uh, the gathering of the church Something about our when Tracy and I have our family devotion time with our kids, I, I always ask them, let's just bring our Bibles into the room and talk about where we're reading and what we're sensing. And uh, I say it all the time because it's just such an important practice that the Lord's given us. But I encourage you to get an old-fashioned Bible, start in the book of Genesis, write the date at the top of the page, and every day turn one page. Even when you're reading through things like Leviticus that you may not understand, you're nourishing your spirit, whether your mind understands or not. Paul speaks about um, praying in the spirit, praying with understanding. There's value in both. Uh, And so sometimes just reading in those pages and just being in the presence of the Lord can have more of a profound influence on your life than you think. And many times you'll see something there that'll just stand out to you. So stay the course with that. And we're going to take a look at John 17. Uh, I, I do think it's really important that we understand our gathering and our transformed life. How many of you, can I just get an amen if you have encountered Jesus Christ and he has changed your life? <laughs> amen. It is wonderful. And it is interesting that our transformed lives are proof that God's kingdom has come. Like, We're not a bunch of just religious people trying to gather together. Um, We've really encountered God, and that that becomes our lifestyle of just living a life of encountering God. And we want to provide that for others. And so I want to encourage you. I am going to talk a little bit today about really how to connect as a family. We're going to talk about unity, what that looks like in the Bible. There's just profound reality and revelation that the Lord's given us, and we want to press in on that. But I want to encourage you, I'll mention it again in a bit, but right up front, if you have a question about anything, if you want to get involved in any way, um, fill out a Connect card in the seat back in front of you, or you can text uh, Destiny to the number on the screen. And we want to walk with you in a way that helps you understand who God's called you to be. Now, think about what I'm saying. Because we live in a world that's been largely evangelized by the culture. The church has been evangelized by the culture as much as the culture has been evangelized by the church. Would you agree with that? And what happens is we start doing things in the church more corporately and more according to the culture than we do according to the kingdom. 
And so what we don't want to do is take you on these quick steps through to understand who we are as a church and how you can come help us fulfill our mission. What we do want you to do is understand we are the church. You are the church. I've met several of you that are here for the first time today, and I just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. You can't go to church because you are the church. So we've gathered as the church. Now we want to encounter the Lord and figure out who he's called us to be together as a family. That is church. And so there's this Discover Destiny that we'll do on the 20th of August, brief meeting right after this, where we talk about your gifted life and how uh, God has wired you. Some of you love to talk to people. Some of you would rather not. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. We're just all wired differently. So figuring that out and how you then express what God's placed within your life is really key to us becoming everything God's called us to become. So mark that down. Uh, If you're going to come to that, drop a connect card in one of our giving stations and we will uh, follow up with you with some details. That's going to be a brief 20 to 30 minute conversation after the service that day that will explain kind of the next six weeks on Wednesday night what that looks like, and you can decide if you want to be a part of that interaction and conversation. I do want to encourage you. I mentioned dropping this in the giving stations. Um, Just people ask me often, you know, we don't say a lot about giving. How do we do that? Um, You can give in the giving stations. You can text give. Uh, We want to honor the Lord with our tithes and our offering as an expression of worship from the heart. And so I would encourage you to really evaluate what that is. Giving has always been a part of worship all throughout Scripture. And the Lord wants us to uh, grow in a deeper understanding of the sacrificial nature of Christ in every way. So, you are what you eat. Today marks the conclusion of this season where we're talking about you are what you eat. Next week, we're going to start talking about um, the reformation of the church in this hour of our lives. And the, the rebuilding that we read about in the book of Nehemiah, I believe, is a powerful parallel And uh, I'll I'll introduce kind of the context for all of that next week. But today we're going to conclude here. And and I I just felt the Lord was prompting me even this morning as I was praying. I didn't have it as one of the verses for the message, but I I realize it's very central. So you might jot this down. Um, You can get our live notes online if you'd like to have that or uh, but if you have anything to write this down or make a note on your phone, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, and it speaks of the, the body of Christ and how He is the bread who's come down from heaven, and He is one bread, and we are one body. Now this is amazing. Like, as Christ is one, we are the body of Christ, and we're supposed to be one. And what, what I want to show you... <clears throat> Jesus actually prayed a prayer. He prayed for you. How many of you believe Jesus had powerful prayers? Like, he prayed a prayer for you. Would you like to know what that prayer is? We're going to read that prayer. He prayed specifically for us. And he prayed that the very existence of deep supernatural communion between him and his Father would be the same communion that would exist among us. Can you just... Take a moment and think about what kind of communion existed between Jesus and the Father. Like mobs were, you know, after him. And in a moment of the most high-octane emotion you can possibly imagine, he, he's just looking at the situation saying, uh, I'm not trying to gain, you know, I'm not trying to impress you and I'm not scared of you. 
Uh, he stood in front of Pilate, you know, this, like the one who could let him go. And, and what did he say to him? He said, you don't have any authority except my Father in heaven has given it to you. Like, I'm not impressed with you. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just not impressed with you. And that's just the way it is because my attention is right now totally devoted to my heavenly Father and, and you don't have anything he hasn't given to you. Everything in heaven and earth and all eternity exists because of my Father in heaven. Like, do you understand the type of communion that existed between Jesus and his Father to be able to stand in that type of confidence? The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. It's amazing when you really think about the communion that existed. I, I don't know, I've just been this week thinking about what was it like when Jesus would go and pray and he would encounter the Father and have interaction with the Father and the deep supernatural communion that existed that was here between Jesus and the Father. And Jesus said, this type of communion I'm going to bring and it's going to go here. And all of us are going to have this same kind of communion. And of course, it only happened because of his crucifixion. But he gave that to us. Like, do you understand what that means? Because I just haven't ever put this together, quite honestly, to this degree. So let's go to John chapter 17. In verse 9, I've kind of chopped a bit just because we're going to read a lot of this text of Scripture. But starting in verse 9, Jesus said, I am praying for them. Father, would you bless the reading of your word and awaken something within our hearts to know what you're desiring to say. And help us, Lord, to let that be our focus, not a clever message with funny points. But, Lord, we really want to encounter God as a result of our gathering. A deep sense of communion with you in Jesus' mighty name. John 17, verse 9, I am praying for them. Verse 11, that they may be one, even as we are one. Like, I want my people to be one, just as you and I are one. I want them all to be one. How many of you think we have a little bit of work to do? Uh, unity is expensive, but it's the call. It's the supernatural awakening that God desires for us to possess. I pray that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, not just the disciples that you've entrusted to my care here, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Everybody say, that's me. This is, this is us. This is who Jesus is praying for. In verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. How many of you know he's reiterating this over and over? And what was it that the world may believe? The world will see this sense of unity that you and I experience, this supernatural connection, and they then will believe because... I don't know if you understand, but being a part of a soccer club or being part of a dance club or being a part of a business club or a social club, you might have really meaningful friendships and relationships in those clubs, but it's still not the church. Like there's something special here that won't exist in other 
gatherings and, and groups and community. Like there's something Jesus prayed that we would have as a church coming together in this spirit of unity. Verse 23, I and them and you and me and they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So this is really amazing and unity doesn't come cheap. You know, um, Tracy and I just, last night we just took some time just to pray over this morning and, and over you all and, and over our own, you know, family and household. And I just, I remember I just kind of got emotional while I was praying for a moment and I just said, Lord, the unity that we have in our marriage. I mean, if you're married and you're sitting next to your spouse right now, then thank God for that and just reach over and squeeze their hand and just give thanks. There's a unity that you all should be able to experience in your marriage relationship. Our friendships, like our friendships, there's something special that the Lord is desiring to awaken just within the way we interact together as the body of Christ, as a family, as we move forward in all that the Lord's desiring. Uh, and, and Tracy and I just praying, and I just said, Lord, we experience beautiful communion in our marriage relationship. I want that for other marriages. We experience deep friendship with our friends. I want that for other friends. We experience amazing interaction with our children and their hunger for the Lord. I want that for all of our families. Uh, as a church, I feel like there's just something we experience in unity. And I want that for all the churches that we are connected to and work with. Like We, we had a guy that just showed up this week. He pastors a church in London we've never met, and um, he just wanted to come and just make a connection, and he joined us on Thursday morning when our staff was just having a time of reading scripture and prayer. And, and he just came in and he sat in that atmosphere, and, and really great guy, and it was great to meet him and feel like there's something there the Lord's kindling in terms of relational connectivity and some of what our involvement is in the UK. But as, as we all concluded, he just looked at our staff and he said, I don't know if you realize how rare it is that teams like this in churches actually take time to read the Bible and pray. And not just come do the corporate strategy, get it done, what are we going to do next, let's attract them in, let's do whatever it takes to get people in the room. I want to say it again, and man, this is important that we understand. If all we're doing in the Western World Church is gathering people together and we're not truly making disciples, then we're only contributing to the greater problem of disillusionment in our society with the things of God. That is a big statement, but it is a reality. And we live in a day where the, the church has been so impacted and evangelized by the world's system that much of what's happened in the church has just become a worldly model of trying to grow this thing. And it's not working. Like the stats are rough, and we'll take a look at some of that in these next coming weeks, but there is a diminishing taking place of the church in the Western world. Even if the church were increasing in numbers, there's a birth rate. Like we, we grew the church this morning by a few. Did you see that? Like when children are born into Christian families, the church grows. But the church isn't even keeping up with the population growth. The church in and of itself is diminishing even less. I mean, it's amazing. 
And the Lord, we have to understand that. We have to take an honest look at what's going on. And are we truly disciples that are making disciples as followers of Christ? And, and this, this unity that the Lord calls us to protect and preserve is such an important part of that. Lord, would you just help us to have clarity in, in thought? Your word says that we don't need a man to teach us in 1 John 2, that your anointing is what teaches us. So, uh, Lord, just come back again and again. Would you deliver me from trying to be clever? <laughs> we don't need man's clever. We need God's power. Paul made that declaration, and he said, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. That your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. Teach us what that is, Lord, as the church in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So let's reflect a little on this unity and what that really means. And again, just, just to make sure everybody got it, that we, this is where we're driving August the 20th with the Discover Destiny focus and just having that conversation to explore what it really means to be the body of Christ. Of course, if you're new, this is a great way for you to uh, you know, come get connected and get involved on that August 20th date. Uh, if you're not new and you're just not engaged and you're not connected, you're not involved, then it'd be great for you to go through that even if you've done it before. Let's find our way in and explore what the Lord may have in store in this next season. There is a cost to unity. How many of you know that's true? Like, There's a price you have to pay to be unified in relationship. You don't always have to agree on everything in order to discover unity. That, and that's, a, that's an important thing that we understand. Um, we, can't, we say this often, and this is an important statement. I, it'll pop up on the screen. It's that important. I want you to think about it. We can have distinction without having to have division. We can have distinction without having to have division. We don't have to agree on all the secondary doctrinal things. And it's the beauty of the body of Christ. How many of you, your doctrine has changed a little bit over the years and you've grown? Can I just see, hold up your hand if that's you. So what happens is like we camp out on this one point that we you know, just can't agree on. And then like that one point, that's a secondary issue. Okay, I'm not talking about the blood of Jesus, the power of the Spirit. Those, those are not secondary. Those are primary. We're not ever going to move from that. The Word of God, the foundation of, of Scripture, all those things are, are primary. But secondary things, you know, that, that we can sometimes get into our doctrinal uh, differences about. It's really okay for us to have different opinions about how we interpret the Bible and still be able to walk in a spirit of unity. It's like the church doesn't understand this. We have to rally together with everybody with the exact same beliefs or we don't feel like we're together in this thing. I, I, I welcome a variety of perspectives that we might grow and become a really flavorful bunch of people. One of the, one of the funniest, craziest moments um, I ever saw was somebody, brand new believer. How many know brand new raw believers, man? They really spice it up sometimes. And, uh, and this brand new believer, uh, there was, you know, we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to curse the devil. And, and that dude did curse the devil. <laughs> like for real. It was like, that's not exactly what we meant. <laughs> and so, again, we're all on a journey just growing. I mean, honestly, that's beautiful. And I don't think the Lord's offended by that. I think religious people are offended by that kind of stuff. The Lord's not offended by raw passion, you know, naivety, 
uh, is, is beautiful in the Lord. Now, maturity can come and help us move past it, and we shouldn't live there all of our lives, and we should be maturing and growing and helping each other in that process. But I just think we get way too uptight about stuff as the church, and we need to try and rest and relax a little bit and really preserve the spirit of unity. So there's a lot of advancement in this season of the church. Um, I really was struggling with how much to go into all of this because I really believe... Um, we are in major days of church reformation. I'm, I'm hearing more and more people emerge that are voices, international, worldwide voices to the church that are making statements like the church is stepping into the greatest reformation it has ever seen in 1,500 years. That's a wild statement. And what that means is we're going to have to be mobilized to be the church everywhere we go and learn to think in those terms. Because all we've thought about is we go to church. That's the church I go to. I'm going to go to church. And I'm glad you're here gathering as the church. The Bible says we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So there is something important about the gathering of the church. But the gathering, you just need to hear me loud and clear as I say this, the gathering of the church is not the most effective way to make disciples. And the gathering of the church has been the only real focus the church has had on making disciples in many respects. And so the Lord's trying to awaken all of us to understand we true disciples make disciples. And if you're really following Christ, then you're a fisher of people, fisher of men and women, because Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. So if you're not fishing, you might not be following and the Lord just wants to help us understand the reformation of what this is really like. Like, this is not difficult. This is not hard. This is simply loving others well and paying attention to what you sense God may be doing in a moment. And it's relational. It's not weird. It's not like get armed with the five you know, laws of the track in your pocket and as soon as somebody says something, you, you know, throw that up there. It's like relational, like I just care about people around me, like legitimately. My love doesn't have a hook in it, I just want to love them well. My job's not to change anybody, my job's to love everybody. And when they try and figure out why I'm so loving in their life, in their relationship, the friendship, that's the opportunity then when they say, why are you caring so much? I'm able to say, because he cared for me, you got to understand where I came from. And it opens this doorway for this communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a relational, relational way. So we want to learn and grow in that. And, and just gathering like this releases something of God's blessing. Turn to Psalms 133. This is, this is such a beautiful text about unity. You've... you've heard the first verse most likely. It's really common, but all three verses of this chapter uh, need to be read, and I'll, I'll, I'm kind of watching to see the timeline of what, what we have, are able to cover here, because I just want to be sensitive to him in this. Behold how good and pleasant, Psalms 133, 1 to 3, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Like it's good and pleasant for us to experience this unity that Jesus prayed for us to experience. It's good. And pleasant. It's like the precious oil on the, on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. Why is there even a mention of robes in this? It's significant. Verse 3, it is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there, there is where? 
There is unity. This is unity. When we come together in unity, there the Lord has commanded the blessing and life forevermore. Like the Lord commands blessing and life when we gather together and love each other well. Lay aside our self-serving agendas and learn what it means to follow the sacrificial nature of Christ. And why the mention of the robe? It's really interesting, but the robe was significant, and it was about the lineage of the priesthood. And from, uh, from the, the Levitical priests all the way down, from Aaron all the way down to Jesus, the priests that represented the presence of God and the declaration of God in the earth always wore this seamless robe. Like, it was one it was really interesting when you look at this, but this is actually a seamless garment. It did not have a fabricated seam. Put the pieces together on this, okay? Because this is what Jesus wore when he walked on the earth. You remember those, those soldiers gambling over the robe that Jesus wore? It was a very expensive garment, obviously. This was the seamless robe. It didn't have any fabricated connection. The body of Jesus walking on the earth was covered by a oneness garment that had no fabricated connection. The body of Christ today is still to walk in this one body covering with no fabricated connection. No tears, no rips, no separation. You don't, take a, a, you don't take a fabricated connection and you know, wind it together and it's just fabricated and fake and it's not real. This is legit. This is one, one together. Because whenever we are disunified, that fabricated connection, that begins to unravel and things begin just to fall apart and the body of Christ then is exposed and... and, and it, God wants us to walk in a deeper reality of what unity is supposed to be. And I believe that's largely the mention that we see in Psalms 133 of the robe. It's significant for every one of us. Every Christian should enjoy and protect this atmosphere of grace, love, and unity. Every one of us. We should enjoy it and we should protect it. How many of you have ever been mad at your spouse? Just keep looking forward. Don't look at them. <laughs> Tracy, I notice you just have your head down. You're not even looking up. Inside, she's just shaking her head. Actually, outside, she does shake her head. <laughs> we have a real honest relationship. <clears throat> like, you're not always going to agree. Sometimes you're going to strongly disagree. But that doesn't mean that you abandon the spirit of unity. It means you protect the spirit of unity. Let's revisit this. Let's come back to this. Let's seek counsel on this. Let's try to figure this out. Let's get together on this and move forward. This is what we do as the body of Christ. I upset you. You upset me. We call each other. We talk to each other. We sit down. If somebody's offended you, you know what the Bible says. Put it on Facebook and social media and let everybody get spun up about it. I mean, that is... Not only is that one of the most immature things you could ever do, it's demonic. It is giving the devil room to foster a wider expression of division for you to spin people up over how you're feeling because it might make you feel better about being angry with that, you know, the situation. Stop that. Don't do that. I, people in roles of leadership... Within our church family, we have brought correction to that type of behavior before, and we will do it again. Yeah. 
because we should be training people in a greater space of maturity than just saying, well, I hope it all works out. No, we have to protect this spirit of unity, and it's costly. It's costly. We've got to work to do so. And, and think about this. This is crazy. Ephesians chapter 4, last text I'll, I'll take you to. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. This is, again, common verse of Scripture, but you don't read enough of it. You don't really get the essence of what's being said. This is the fivefold ministry verse. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why did he give those offices? To equip his people for works of service. So understand this. The work of the ministry is in the hands of the people. Do you understand that? According to the Bible, this is not about ordinary Christians rallying around professionals on a platform to help us get the job done. It's about pastors and leaders empowering ordinary people to go out and do the work of the ministry. In your everyday life, in your five-foot circle, just loving people well. But listen to what happens. Equip, verse 12, equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Here it is, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith. What does unity in the faith produce? The knowledge of the Son of God causing us to become mature, attaining, this is crazy, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What in the world is the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? Like this is in various places in the New Testament. It points us to the fullness of God that we are to embody. And we can't do that alone. It requires unity together as a family in order to walk this out. You are what you eat, one bread, one body. You and I should be communing with the Lord, communing with each other in such a way that we're protecting the spirit of unity. And in doing so, we discover phenomenal power. What you find in Scripture is actually when we grow in a deeper sense of unity, we then prove our trustworthiness from God to be given great power. How many of you would love to see great power from God? Like, do you understand? Great power requires safe conduits. And in God's grace, He will not pour out great power if we are not prepared to steward it well. And if we're not mature enough to look in on each other's lives and say, I think you might be getting off here. I think the Lord used you to heal 15 people in one, you know, whatever that was. And, and, and it seems to be going to your head. We have to have that type of mature relationship, unity relationship, where we can actually help each other keep our feet on the ground, our eyes on the cross, and not grow puffed up and proud. Come on, that's the type of people God's looking for to entrust the power of God to transform the world around us. That's who God's calling us to be. I'm calling the church up to that. So, I want us to receive communion together. I'm going to ask the worship team if you'll go ahead and come back. Isn't it crazy? Like, if I give you the summary version of today, think about this. The unity that exists in the Trinity 
I'm not trying to be poetic, but it's just working out that way. The unity that exists in the Trinity is the deity God wants for humanity. And there's something supernatural about that connectivity. I, that's wild. I, I've been choking on this all week long. I mean, you talk about meat of the word. This is, this is something that we are so quick to abandon unity, so quick to be offended. The more shallow and surface and immature you are, the quicker you are to be offended anytime somebody says something. Out of my own insecurity, I am quickly offended. It's not the fault of the person who bumps me when something comes out of me that shouldn't. And the Lord wants to take us to a deeper place. So I want to encourage you. Let's really prepare our hearts just in what the Lord desires in this moment in time. First and foremost, before we uh, receive communion, we need to make sure our hearts are right before the Lord. You know, the Bible speaks of the danger of taking communion in an unworthy fashion. And so can we just pause for a moment? Would you just open your heart? Maybe just close your eyes and fix your attention on Him. And Lord, first we just want to pause and say, we acknowledge the single most provable incident in the history of the world is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. History is divided by the crucifixion of Christ. We acknowledge and recognize you are who you say you are. You're the Son of God. You came, you lived, you died, you're risen from the grave. And your word says if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if that's your confession today, would you say out loud, real loud, Amen. <laughs> we need you, Lord. We just want to take a moment to examine our hearts. And just say, Lord, uh, maybe any area of offense or division that we have nurtured. We want to recognize that your death on the cross demonstrates how we're supposed to handle our offenses. And we die to ourselves that we might live for the eternal purposes of God. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Would you all stand? This week I'm asking our, you know, again, we bring God's presence to real life. That's what we, you'll hear that all the time because that's who we know God's asked us to be. Experience God's presence, express God's presence. We bring God's presence to real life everywhere we go. And so your God's presence for real life action point this week is I want to ask you to please purpose to be sacrificially intentional about making a meaningful connection with someone this week. I met somebody who's never been to our church. He'll probably never come to our church. But I just felt a sense of grace in my interactions with him. And I just asked him, hey, could we just meet for coffee? I didn't invite him to church. I just, we, he said, sure, we met for coffee. And I just said, tell me about your story. Like, how'd you get where you are today? Like, I'm really genuinely, personally interested in this individual. And I, I was actually able to pray for that person. I just encourage you, let's just be intentional about connecting with somebody this week. 
And maybe they do need to be invited to the church, but that's not the goal. You understand? The goal is to love them well. And so I want us to love each other well. And I'm going to ask you, the, the lights can come up, and you can see there's going to be communion on these tables and communion on the back. But before you grab it, I want you to think about this. In the name of unity and in the name of loving and caring for each other, I want you to do something so simple. I want you to go and get communion, and instead of taking communion that you took, I want you to exchange that communion with somebody else. You're going to pick up the communion. It's just one cup with both elements in it. And then I want you to, whoever, you may not even know the person, but just go up to them and just let there be a beautiful exchange of the body of Christ. We are who we are because of his body, okay? So go ahead, communion there, communion here. Go ahead and grab them. And then we'll take communion all together in a moment. I am praying for them that they may be one, even as we are one, Father. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So I've just, there's been a number of verses I've prayed over the last two years specifically about this concept of just the love of God and the unity that he's called us to. And I would invite you uh, I experienced this with our uh, apostolic team in the UK, and I wish we could do it here. It's just not possible in the larger gathering, but I would suggest maybe consider in your homes or in community groups. But we just read Scripture, and we actually had a loaf, and we just tore pieces of the loaf off, like larger pieces and a, a true cup of juice. And, and as we were reading Scripture, we just began to just take pieces of the bread and, and sip the cup thinking about the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And, ah, man, it, it really wrecked me. It, it caused me to see something in his word from a perspective I'd not known before. And so kind of along those same lines, just to model that and demonstrate that, I'm just going to read several verses of Scripture. And as I'm reading, you feel free just to receive communion as you take in his word and digest something spiritually that God wants us to process. 
So feel free, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, that we might engage in this level of a deeper revelation. I'm going to read several verses, so you've got a few moments just to process however you'd like. Philippians 1, verses 9 to 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 4 says, Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. 1 Thessalonians 3, 6. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Just listen to the essence of deep-spirited friendship and relationship in these texts, in these readings of these letters to the New Testament churches. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12-13. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all His holy ones. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 and 4. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. James chapter 2, verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture. Did you know the Bible speaks of the royal law? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, then you're doing right. The last verse I'll read, 1 Peter 1, 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, Love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. Come on, if you've not gone ahead and, and taken communion and you're planning to, go right ahead. And we just thank you, Lord, for the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus that takes us into a communion with God, a communion with each other, a communion with your word where even our times of reading the Bible is not just about reading a book but it's truly about sitting with the author communing with God there's nourishment spiritual nourishment the milk of the word the meat of the word that you desire for us to explore and experience awaken that within us we pray in Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name we're going to take just a few moments in worship and I just again want to say this is part of our congregational assignment when we gather let's take what the Lord's awakening within us and before we dismiss let's take everything that's being awakened and let's bring it back to him 
in a posture, in a place of worship to the Lord our God. Our prayer teams are going to be available. If you would, go ahead. Uh, prayer teams, come up under these screens. If there is anything that we can pray with you in agreement about, if today you made a decision to accept Christ, it'd be really good for you to come talk with us so that we can make sure you have a Bible and we can help you have a connection to grow deeper in your faith and your relationship with the Lord. It is not good for man to be alone. Like We need to be together in the way we walk this out. If there's anything we can agree with you about over your family, your finances, our prayer teams are available just to stand with you and pray for you. So as we worship, would you, uh, number one, bring your heart before him. Number two, if we can pray in agreement, then begin now making your way down. And let's just sing and declare God is at work in the midst of all of our lives.